You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. Not only must the elder be a man of maturity, but he must also be a man of ministry. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. That's a powerful word. Some Bible versions say feed the flock of God. We remember Jesus saying to Peter, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd includes tending the flock, which includes guarding and guiding them. In our faith journey, it's effortless to succumb to the world's standards and gradually drift away from Jesus. Pastor Jeff emphasizes in today's message that standing firm for God's truths is crucial despite the challenges. Following Him isn't meant to be easy, but the path to deepening your relationship with Him involves never compromising on what you know is right. Earthly pleasures may disappoint, but God remains steadfast. Dedicate yourself to working for God's perfect kingdom. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5 as he begins his message, True Shepherd. The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, hallelujah, when the chief shepherd appears, he's, he's, you're in my chief shepherd, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to your elders. Uh-oh. All right, let's go on. Yes, all of you be submissive to who? One another. So say this with me. We're to one another, one another. We're to one another, one another. We're to be submissive to one another and clothed with arrogance. Oh, I'm sorry. Clothed with humility. For what does God do? He resists the proud. I don't want God resisting me, right? He resists the proud, but he gives what to the humble? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he may exalt you in due time. And then next, my favorite verse, one of them, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's going to be good tonight. Amen. All righty. Last time we ended with Peter's advice for people who are suffering. And you know, the Bible tells the truth about the human uh, condition. We suffer. We suffer a lot. Anybody suffering this week from anything? I mean, psychological, physical, relational, anything we suffer. When you're overwhelmed with suffering, we're to place our trust totally into the faithful hands of God who sees it. And the Lord is too loving to be unkind. He's too wise to make mistakes, and he's too powerful to be thwarted from his purpose. Amen? Amen. Now, as we begin chapter 5, coming to the end of the first letter of Peter, Peter leaves the topic of suffering and turns to the topic of shepherding. Now, you being in a local church, though this is aimed at leadership, it's also aimed at those that are being led. All right? 
So this is, now he's gonna deal with the function, one of the functions of local church. Why God gives local church. The elders who are among you, I exhort, verse one. I'm a fellow elder, says Peter. I'm a witness of the sufferings of Christ. I saw it firsthand. And I'm also a partaker of the glory that's gonna be revealed. I know what's coming for me. Amen? Now, and when you do a study like this, words matter. I'm a word guy. Um, I think words are fascinating, especially Bible words, because they matter, all right? The word elder is from a Greek word meaning older in age, which, which puts me out, amen, or an elder's spiritual experience and maturity. L listen carefully, elders weren't chosen lightly. No, no. They were not chosen based on personal popularity. Oh, he's so likable, everybody likes him, make him an elder. No. Nor of their giving or for their giving. You see people buy positions in local church. They purchase it. All right, I'm a big giver, so give me a big position if you want me to keep being a big giver. Well, if that's your motive, bye-bye. Okay? Because you can't buy a gift of God. Or their business success. Oh, they've done so well in business. Surely they're elder material, not necessarily. They should be chosen prayerfully and carefully every time. Paul instructed Timothy, very wise words, never be in a hurry about appointing a church elder. Did I read that right? Don't be in a hurry. People pressure you. You better get more elders. Really? No, I'm not going to be in a hurry to get more elders. Um, I'm not going to do it hastily, because if you get a wrong one, you're going to suffer. Everybody is, okay? Don't share in the sins of others. What does he mean by that? You appoint somebody into an elder position when they're not ready for it, they end up stumbling and falling, and you become implicated as a local church in their sin. So don't share in the sins of others. Don't put yourself in a position of having to be embarrassed by the sins of others who you put into a high position. This is wisdom. This is Paul, the architect of the local church, one of the major of the apostles. He's one of the top architects of the local church, and he's, he, or Peter as well. And they're, they're laying foundation. They're telling us how to pick leadership. Paul says this himself over and over again. One and two, Timothy and Titus. He deals with all of this. So they must first be tested to see if they're ready for the work. And what's the test? How faithful are they in the hard times? How faithful are they when they don't get what they think they should get? How faithful are they? Do they stick with you when the going gets tough? Or are you just the latest restaurant? Elders were supposed to be men of maturity who had grown up in and become acquainted with Christ. They were not likely to be swayed by the world's temptations. They've been around the mountain a few times. They've proven themselves faithful over time, and they were willing to suffer for his name. In short, the men of the word, they, were, they were to be men of the word and seasoned men of God. Okay? Now, this is wisdom for the local church that we should really listen to. 
Not only must the elder be a man of maturity, but he must also be a man of ministry. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you. That's a powerful word. Some Bible versions say feed the flock of God. We remember Jesus saying to Peter, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, shepherd my sheep. Shepherd includes tending the flock, which includes guarding and guiding them. Not just standing up and saying a few things on a Sunday and everybody goes their way. A a true shepherd, listen to me, church, a true shepherd guards the sheep. He'll, he'll, He'll put himself in the position of being wolf bit to keep you safe. He won't run when the wolves run in. He'll fight them off, even if you don't understand it. Even if you say you're being too mean. No, if it's a really bad wolf, you almost can't be too mean. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you. He's talking to the elders now. So Paul says, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. When you're not feeling good, when you're up, when you're down, when it's rainy outside and a lot of people haven't come, always be ready. Always be ready. To, to do what? To do what, everybody? Preach what? Hello? Preach the word. Not your own ideas. Not the latest trends and fads. Not motivational seminars. Preach what? The logos. The word. The Bible, the book. I like calling it the book because there's only one the book. Whether it's favorable or not, if, if you're getting persecuted or not, if the message is popular or not, whether you feel like it or not, whether the church is doing well or not, you get up there and you preach the word. Patiently, now I want you all to read these words with me. I want to be sure I'm reading it right. Next verse, please. Patiently, I'm waiting for verse 3, or verse 2. There it is. Patiently, do what, everybody? Correct. Correct. Rebuke. Wait a minute. Tell me how that goes over when you correct and rebuke people these days. Oh, my. We have become an, uh, an unrebukable generation. Go to some of the college campuses and say anything that they don't want to hear. And they'll kick you off the the property. They'll assault you. They don't want to hear anything that cramps their style. And they're hardly rebukable. Um, So look what he says. There's times you've got to correct. There's times I need to be corrected. Every time when I get into the Word of God every day, I guarantee you, uh, invariably, Um, before the week is out, something in my daily reading has corrected Jeff Wickwire. That's why we need it. You throw the word out and you're no longer corrected. And the Bible says that by the fact that we're human, we're going to veer off the right course if we don't have something constantly pulling us back into the narrow way that leads to life. And that's the correction of the Word of God. So leadership sometimes has to correct, sometimes has to rebuke, and encourage your people with what, everyone? Good teaching. 
sound teaching. So it's not just teaching, it's correcting, rebuking, and encouraging that uh, leadership of a church is to be involved in. The writer of Hebrews encourages believers, obey those who rule over you. Be submissive, for they do what, everyone? Watch out for your souls. Why do they do that? Because they're going to give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. Do you catch these words now? Please follow it carefully. Leadership should be able to do what they do with joy, not being given grief. Why? Because it's for your sakes. Because if leadership is always being dumped on and is walking in grief, criticized, undermined, uh, judged, um, so on and so forth, then they start carrying that burden. That means they're not going to pray as good. They're not going to study as good. And I'm going to tell you, they're not going to preach as good. So it starts hurting the congregation. So wise sheep, and I'm a sheep. Listen, I have people that are my leaders. And I know, and I've been in the situation many times where leadership didn't do something I agreed with necessarily. But I knew if I, if I make their position a grief, it's going to hurt me. Because I want them to get up there and spit fire. I want them to get up there and preach good. And I don't want to be counterproductive and bring them to where they don't, they've struggled all week long. Okay? Uh, now, let the, the, the word obey simply means submit to your elders' authority in the church. Now, I like to add this. As long as it is administered in accordance with the teachings of Jesus. You're not going to follow a cult leader. But if it's a solid leader, if the church has solid leadership, then you follow their example and their teaching. Um, not only, notice this, not only does the elder and the pastor teach, correct, rebuke, and encourage, he watches out for the souls under his care, because he knows, especially in these days of social media and false teachers on every street corner, let me tell you something. Um, I got to watch out. I don't look for personalities that are doing wrong. I look for wrong teaching, wrong messages, wrong communication regarding the Christian life or the person of Christ. And, and if it's really influencing you, I'm going to stand up and teach against it. I'm going to guard. I'm going to protect whether you want it or not. True pastor will watch out for the approach of wolves into the flock. And they're everywhere at the click of a button on your little iPad. And I'm going to warn you about wolves by the teaching they teach. Then the word teach means to provide pasture. The Lord Jesus told Peter three times after his resurrection, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. There's only one thing a pastor is to feed the sheep with, and that's the Bible, the word of God. You don't come here on Sundays or Wednesday nights to hear my latest, greatest thoughts, right? And I don't come to teach you my latest, greatest thoughts. No, I dig into the word I mine it. I make sure that I, to the best of my ability, am interpreting it correctly. And I bring it to you and I give you 
the green grass of the word of God. Okay, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. The pastor's calling is to do what is described in Nehemiah. Let me show you something interesting in Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8. Listen to this, starting at verse 4. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform. Everybody say first pulpit. (laughs) There it is. He stood on a wooden platform, uh, first pulpit, pulpit, and, and that they made for the purpose of him standing up and teaching the word of God. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. Everybody say the book. For he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. Do you see how they honor the word of God? They stood in honor of the word of God, not in honor of Ezra, in honor of the word of God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord. This is what the teaching of the word brought them to doing. They bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now look at verse 8, and here's the call of every pastor. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people, people understood the reading. You get it? That goes all the way back into the Old Testament. So they would read, the people would stand up, They'd read the word, and then what do they do? They gave the sense. They gave what the verses meant. So that the people went, ah, I get it. The light's gone off. That's what a pastor is supposed to stand up and do. That's what elders are supposed to stand up and do. Teach you the word of God. You know who I listen to every night? I find some pastor somewhere, and I listen. I'm so glad that Charles Stanley's messages are being held in perpetuity on radio and other platforms, even though he went home. Because I got to tell you, I, I just, the guy talks to you, and he's one that I listen to. I could give you a list of people I listen to, and I could also give you a list of people I avoid. But he's one, he would just get up, and he would read a verse and expand on it. That's what I want. I want you to feed me with the word of God. Tell me what God said. So Peter deals, here it is, with the first with the maturity of a leader, then with the ministry of the leader, and now next he's going to deal with the spiritual motivation of church leadership. He says, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain. Uh Uh-oh. Not going after their money, but eagerly. Now Peter lists two wrongs and two right two wrong motives and two right ones for serving as an elder or a pastor. Here they are. Here's the wrong ones. None should be money motivated. No spiritual leader should be money motivated. In other words, I'm not here to bless the people. I'm here to get all the money I can out of this deal. Are you with me? I don't care about them. I'm a hire. That's what hireling comes from. I've been hired. There's money in this for me, so I'm a hireling. And what what did Jesus say hirelings do? When the wolves come, the hirelings run because they have no investment in the people. They don't care about the sheep. But a true God-given shepherd does. And he's not after their, he's not after theirs, he's after them. He doesn't want their 
I mean, hey, if you want to give to the church, wonderful. We can use it. And please do support the work. But that's not what I'm after when I'm up here teaching the Word of God. I want you to grow in the faith into the fullness of the stature of Christ. I want you to be successful. I want you to be victorious. I want you to bear fruit. I want you to find your gift and use it. I want you to grow into maturity. I want you to be ready when Jesus comes. So Peter deals with the motivation. The bottom line motive of some people in ministry, a lot of them, is money. And there are some that just get filthy rich off of ministry. My personal belief about that is some of them will be included in Jesus' words and in the scenario Jesus painted when he said, when I return, there's going to be some saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out devils in your name? Didn't we heal the sick? Didn't we do many mighty miracles? He'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. So in other words, they were using the name of Jesus for profit, not with the right motives. And Jesus never knew them. The second wrong motive for pastoring is of being under constraint. In other words, you've been forced to do it. He says, don't don't do it for dishonest gain and don't do it by compulsion or under constraint against your will. You don't want anybody leading you that doesn't want to be there. You don't want anybody leading you that has not been appointed by God to do it. This wrong motivation breeds resentment in the leader. Am I really preaching again today? Is it really Sunday again? Oh, my goodness. Oh, here we go again. Story is told of a senior pastor. And he woke up one Sunday. This reminded me of this. He he said, I don't want to go today. And so he said, I'm just going to call in sick, and I'm going to have my associate preach. So he called in, lied, said he was sick, couldn't come. Gabriel in heaven is watching the whole thing. And turns to Jesus and says, can you believe that? Your man just lied to not preach. What are you going to do about that? Well, the Lord didn't answer him. Well, the preacher puts on his golf clothes, goes out and gets his golf clubs, hops in the car and goes to the golf course. Tees up. And he's feeling great. He says, my associate will do a great job. God bless him. Here we go. And he Drove the first ball. It sailed left. It hit a tree. It bounced off. It ran along the edge of a pond. Hopped up onto a turtle. The turtle walked out onto the course and dumped the ball. And it rolled right into the hole. (laughs) For a hole in one. Gabriel turned to Jesus again and said, What are you doing? You blessed him. You blessed him. Look, you gave him a hole in one. And Jesus said, ah, but who can he tell? (laughs) Y'all are with me. All right. Everybody say, no one. Boy, you know, when I told y'all I was sick, I got a hole. No, he can't do it. That's free. I'm not a comic, but that's a good one. All right. Peter says the true pastor will do it willingly. He'll do it willingly, all right? Peter says, do his work eagerly with passion and zeal. Now that'll come and go sometimes. It's not like you're always red hot. I need to rekindle the flame uh, fairly often, but I've never lost the fire 
I've never lost the deep inner motivation to minister the Word of God. In the relentless battle for your heart, victory can always be found in Jesus. If you need a message of hope today, Pastor Jeff illustrated that your struggles and conflicts within can find resolution in the unwavering love of Jesus. In the face of life's challenges, allow Jesus to be your commander, leading you to victory over doubts, fears, and inner pain. Through faith and a heart of surrender, discover the strength of Jesus in the battle for your heart, ensuring that His love prevails. For more teachings and information about this ministry, we encourage you to check out hardwired.org. Pastor Jeff Wickwire has many more messages there. You'll find them under the audio tab. This will surely help you be encouraged in the Word. Once again, that's hardwired.org. We want to invite you to come back again next time for another teaching from Pastor Jeff. Daniel has more on that, giving you something to look forward to. Amid life storms and uncertainties, solace can be found. A warm embrace offered by the unwavering presence of God. In his next message, Pastor Jeff imparts a comforting message. You can always seek refuge in the arms of God. In his loving embrace, find shelter from the world's turbulence and let his soothing comfort envelop your soul. Embrace the peace that surpasses all understanding, allowing God's tender arms to be your sanctuary in times of distress. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in for this edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. You can listen to more messages from this and other books of the Bible by visiting hardwired.org. Join us next time to continue our study in the book of 1 Peter, right here on Hardwired.